Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. If you would please uh, turn with me to Romans 12, and we're going to be looking at 1 and 2 this morning. I want to thank Pastor Jason for reading that for us this morning. Um, And before we get started, I just wanted to thank everybody for being here as we celebrate the graduates. And just ask you to join me in a word of prayer before we get started. Father, we thank you for this day of celebration. We pray that you would open our hearts to the teaching of your word and that your spirit would use it uh, in the way that you see fit, that we would leave this place changed and that we would be your witnesses in this community. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. So I've been here about a year now, and I have disturbingly discovered that there's more than a few of you that are not Chapel Hill fans out there. It hurts me deeply, and I do pray for your continued discipleship. But at the risk of giving you more ammunition, I felt like I should share a story with you of what it was like being a student at UNC before we got started. So um, I lived in a duplex with six other guys, and on one bright Saturday morning, I left to go to work, and several other of my roommates left to go to campus. And we left one roommate on the couch watching some Sports Center, And he was watching some baseball highlights. And he noticed that one of the roommates had left his BB gun downstairs in the living room. But more than that, he had noticed that one of us had left an empty two-liter bottle right there in the middle of the dining room table, just in his line of vision. So the temptation became too great, and he started shooting BBs at this two-liter bottle. And he shot once, and he shot twice, and shot a couple more times. And then he decided, you know what, I'm in college, and this isn't very sporting. So I'm going to start doing what he termed trick shots. And I'm not sure what all this entailed. I imagine that he did the whole thing looking in a mirror and shooting over his shoulder. Or maybe he did the underarm thing. But eventually, we know where it ended. And it ended with him doing uh, essentially a scene out of Die Hard, where he was running from an adjoining hallway, and he would dive towards the couch as he fired. And, you know, this was fun a few times, but, uh, you know, as he thought about it, he started to think, you know, I've shot a lot of BBs, and some of them have hit the bottle, but some of them were misses. I'm not sure about what's going on there. And then he thought to himself, you know what, I remember when I was shooting, sometimes the blinds behind the bottle would flutter a little bit. And these were the blinds that covered our glass patio door out onto the deck. So he said, you know what, I should probably go investigate that. I'm curious. So he went and he pulled back the blinds. And according to him, what he saw was just a little chip, just a tiny chip in a plate glass window of our patio door. And he said, as he watched it, it began to spider. And then it spidered. And it spidered some more until all of a sudden the whole pane of glass came crashing down to the floor right in front of his eyes. 
So when we returned from work in campus, what we found was our roommate there standing over a big pile of glass and beginning the cleanup process and relating the tales of glory that he had from shooting this bottle on the dining room table. And my question to you is this, what was uh, my roommate's problem? And some of you may think, well, it sounds like he had a lot of problems. But in this particular case, his main problem was that his vision had become darkened and his vision had become clouded because he was laser focused on the target he was shooting at without taking account of anything else. And as a lot of you know that uh, go hunting or shoot recreationally, one of the things when you shoot that they teach you is that not only do you need to see your target and shoot where you intend, but you also need to take stock of what's behind your target because there's always a 50-50 shot you're going to miss. And if you miss, you want to make sure there's a safe backdrop for that BB or that bullet to land, right? But his vision had been darkened and Uh, he was unable to see what the truth was until his eyes were transformed, until he remembered that those blinds had been fluttering, and behind that veil, there might be great damage taking place uh, to that plate glass window. With that in mind, let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2 together. Um, It's a familiar passage. A lot of us may have memorized it before in Awana or something, but... In this passage, God, through the Apostle Paul, talks to us about how to authentically live out our Christian faith in three key areas. We are called to be living sacrifices, and those sacrifices are not to be conformed to the world, but transformed for His purposes. And when reading Paul's letters, particularly the teaching sections, we want to look for the word therefore, because they teach us in seminary that When you're reading Paul and you see a therefore, it's very important to stop where you are and ask, what is the therefore, therefore? Because when he does his teaching sections, he generally follows the same pattern. And he moves from what we call the indicative, which is what is true. And he makes an argument for this is true, this is who you are, this is where you come from, those kind of things. And then he transitions to what we call the imperative, which are the commands that we can now live out based off the truth that he's just given us. So in this book, in the book of Romans, what Paul lays out from the very beginning is a case that all humanity is sinful and separated from God. And he says that's true for both the Jews and the Gentiles, because when it comes to sin, genetics or faithful law keeping or any of those things are not enough to save you because we're incapable of it. And we're in need of a Savior, and our only hope is salvation through Christ. And when we have salvation through Christ, we become new creations, and in living out that new creationness in our daily walk, we begin to draw others to the hope that we have in Christ. Paul moves on in verse 2 and talks to us about what it looks like to live in this new reality. So first, we are called not to be conformed to this world. Paul describes what being conformed to the world looks like from the very beginning of the book of Romans. And he talks about how at the very beginning, mankind walked closely with God and we walked with him in a garden. But instead of honoring the truth that humanity knew, they chose to trade the truth for a lie. And they began to worship the created things rather than the creator. And in consequence, It says that humanity's eyes were darkened 
that their minds were given over to twisted thinking. And if their minds dwelled on twisted thinking long enough and deep enough, it would eventually lead to insanity. And relationships were broken and the creation suffered because mankind's sin had entered the world. And we live in a culture that presents the fruit of this tragedy. And there's much pressure to conform to that. In our culture, there's a drive towards self-worship and towards idolatry, and it's rampant. Our culture has rejected any form of objective truth. And it pressures us to conform to its ideology. We see this in terms of even basic things like worldview. Because according to the world... God is defined as ultimately self. And man's biggest problem is not sin, but a lack of happiness. So the remedy is not a relationship with Jesus, but with a pursuit of money and power and self-actualization. And materialism is the driving force behind the meaning and purpose of life. More insidiously than this, there's an overall attack to redefine terms of how the world operates. Justifying their actions, the mantra of the day is, I'm living my truth. And even biblical terms related to family and personal identity are being redefined all in the name of self-fulfillment. It's the idea that we need to make all things permissible so that all people can be as happy as they possibly can. Even the name of Jesus himself is being redefined by the world and in the world's eyes. Because the world tells us, believe in Jesus, the political revolutionary. Or believe in Jesus, the wise teacher. Or believe in Jesus, the social activist. The message of the world is to conform Conform to what we say, conform to our ideology or else. Or else we may cancel you, or we may ostracize you, or we may make it difficult for you to live. But the Bible tells us that conforming to the world and its ideologies is death. In the book of Ephesians, we are rightly defined as before Christ, we are in fact dead. We are dead men and women walking in need of a Savior. And the only way to be made alive again is to trust in Jesus by faith and repentance. But it's not just any Jesus that we need. It's the Jesus as defined by Scripture. You see, the world defines Jesus one way, but we define Jesus the other way, through what we're told in Scripture. We don't believe in a Jesus as defined by the world, but instead... We believe in a Jesus who really lived. We believe in the incarnate Son of God. The Word became flesh that John told us about. We believe that He really lived, that He preached the kingdom and did miracles at specific times and specific places. And we believe that He died on a Roman cross. But praise God, we also believe that He resurrected on an Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago. And by doing so... He conquered hell, and He conquered death, and He conquered sin, and He gave us the way of salvation. 
the only way to reconcile us to God is through Jesus. And even now, he is there with the living God that we worship. And he sits at the Father's right hand and he waits for the word to come back and get his people. He is the only hope for humanity. And once we follow Jesus, we become new creations. And by the power of the Spirit, we can choose not to conform to this world. We can choose to base our lives on the objective truth that God gives us in Scripture. And we can allow our decisions to all flow from that idea. We can flow our decisions through the idea that God gets to define things. And not only does He get to define things and define our problems, but He also gets to define the solution, which is ultimately the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our problem as believers is that sometimes we forget this new freedom that we have. We begin to drift with the current of society and we begin to drift into old and futile ways of thinking. Because once we're caught or once we've placed our faith in Christ, we are not only called not to conform, we are also called to be transformed. The only way to be renewed is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the only way to have the power of the Holy Spirit is to reach out to Jesus in faith and repentance and have a relationship with Him. Because when that happens positionally and factually, what happens is we are declared righteous before God because of what Jesus did. It's based off His righteousness and not ours. So once the relationship is locked in, it can't change. So we have that true of us, that we are declared righteous before God, but we also live in a fallen world and we're growing. So this is the problem of the now and the not yet. So as we walk through the fallen world, the world has no power over us, but it tempts us, right, to start thinking in the old ways. And when it tries to draw us back towards a conforming way of living, it draws us back to something empty like a mirage in the desert. It's something that promises much but delivers nothing and ultimately gives us pain and misery. But the Holy Spirit is able to transform us. He transforms our minds and He transforms our hearts and He transforms our spirits. We are completely transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And transformed people base our lives off God's truth. Going back to the question of worldview, transformed people understand that God is God and not them. And once you have that straightened out, you understand what man's chief problem is. You see, when God is God and you are not, then you understand that the decisions you make and the way you live are ultimately accountable to what he said about those things. So we talk about man's problem again. Man's chief problem is not the lack of stuff, and it's not even about other people, but Scripture tells us that man's basic problem is a dead and sinful heart that needs resurrection through the power of Jesus Christ, and not just any Jesus, but the Jesus that is presented to us through Scripture. The meaning, of purpose, or meaning and purpose of life from that point becomes glorifying our Creator and our King. And our ethic at that point is being a true disciple of Jesus. 
We are called to be transformed, not just for ourselves, but for a purpose. See, the key term at the end of verse 2 is discern, or some versions might say to prove or to test. And the idea there is that you are proofing something. You are able to weigh something against the right standard and come out with a correct answer. So transformed people can rightly weigh our choices and decision based off the right standard that God has given us through Scripture and by the guidance of His Spirit. And by that point, we can live wisely, both for our good and for God's glory. And we live in an age of insanity. And as we live in that world, those that live rightly based off God's truth are a beacon of hope to others. When we stand faithfully in the face of the unrelenting pressure of this culture, as they attempt to get us to conform, but we stand true and stalwart on what God has told us, we serve as a witness to the hope that other people can have through the transformed life given to us through Jesus. And God puts people in our lives that desperately need to hear this truth of hope of the transformation that is only possible through Jesus Christ. And we are called to share that with those around us. So specifically to the graduates, but also to those believers gathered here, I encourage you to remember these truths as you make decisions in life, as you all begin to transition, as you start families and start jobs and go to schools and all those other things. Stand firm in the faith that you know that by so doing, you can be faithful witnesses to others what God's truth has done in your life. And you can be a faithful disciple in the midst of a hostile culture which will increasingly be hostile to the things of God. As it says here in the verse, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed as followers of Christ in the way you live. And I encourage you to be beacons of hope to those around you. Draw others to our Savior by the way that you live and the way they see you make decisions and the way that they see you handle the common sufferings and joys of life. We're going to close now. I'm going to ask Pastor Tommy to go ahead and close our time in worship here in just a minute. The only way to experience this transformation that we just talked about is by trusting Jesus through faith and repentance. We're going to have a time of invitation, and if that's something you've got questions about, please come talk to one of us, whether it's today or some other time soon. We would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus, because that decision, that is the decision that will most impact your life. That is the most consequential decision you will ever make, is about whether you will follow Jesus and base your life off what he said. And for believers that are gathered here with us, there's hope for you as well. Just as somebody coming into relationship with Jesus by faith and repentance, if you feel like the Spirit's worked on you a little bit and you might feel ways that you might have drifted back towards conforming, you too can have hope through repentance and ask God to use His Spirit to draw you back into the close relationship you once had with Him. Ask the Spirit to do business in your heart and ask Him to guide you in the way that He would. And in a few minutes, Pastor Jason's going to close us out.